from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. And today's show could really go a number of different directions. We heard yesterday that the Giants set their report dates for spring training, pitchers and catchers officially going to report on February 11th. So we're just really a month away from that. Just a month left and several free agents yet to sign, including some good ones in Josh Donaldson, Marcelo Zuna, and Nick Castellanos. But I just have the sense that some of this activity is going to resolve itself in the coming days. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we're close to a Josh Donaldson resolution, and then that might finally cause one of these two outfielders, Ozuna and Castellanos, to to sign. And then this is kind of a random tangent, but I still, I don't think the Giants are going to be players for Ozuna because of the fact that it would cost them their second highest draft pick, so their second round pick. And that is because Ozuna was extended the qualifying offer by the Cardinals, whereas Castellanos was not eligible to receive the qualifying offer because he was traded midseason. So that's why Castellanos is a better fit for the Giants. And also, you know, something that hasn't been talked about much is the fact that the Giants are going to receive draft pick compensation for the Braves signing Will Smith and the Diamondbacks signing Madison Bumgarner. And that is because the Giants offered those two the qualifying offer, both rejected it, and both signed free agent deals with a new team. So the Giants will have the 13th overall pick in the draft, and that's based on where they finished in the standings last year. And then in the second round, they have the 50th overall pick, and that's the one they would stand to lose if they were to sign Marcelo Zuna. So the Giants comp picks for losing Bumgarner and Smith come in at 70 and 71. So 13, 50, 70, 71, and then again in the third round at 87 overall. So the Giants will have five of the first 100 draft picks. And this is a draft that is kind of universally considered extremely deep. And so draft picks have more value than they have had in seasons past this year. So that's why I just can't see them giving up their second highest pick, the 50th overall pick, to sign a free agent like Ozuna. I just don't think it's worth it to them. But we haven't talked a lot about the upcoming draft on this show. But I think it's kind of an underrated big deal that the Giants are getting those two picks for losing Baumgartner and Smith. So anyway, that's like we're totally going on a tangent in this show so far. But the the point was kind of that there's a lot of base there's a lot to talk about right now, I think. And kind of the the game is picking back up again. And and this morning there was an article in The Athletic written by Jason Stark who talked about the upcoming decade in the sport and some crystal ball predictions for how the game is going to change over the next 10 years as it changed pretty dramatically over the last 10 years. 
So I want to spend some time for the rest of the show talking about some of these predictions because they're not far-fetched, yet some of them are pretty extreme. The first thing he talks about is robot umpires, an automated strike zone. And I think we can all read between the lines here as MLB has started experimenting with the strike zone in the Atlantic League and the Arizona Fall League. In 2020, it's reportedly going to be phased in in the Florida State League, and a year from now, it may be used extensively throughout the minor leagues. So this is coming, and it's coming in a hurry. The commissioner has said that the technology has improved to the point where he feels comfortable you know, moving in the direction of rolling it out as something that will be in the major leagues in the relatively short term. And the agreement between MLB and the umpires union, which was agreed to just in the last month or so, included a provision that the umpires agreed to cooperate with the rollout of an automated strike zone. So this is coming. It's coming fast. And, you know, I have been advocating for this for a long time. Just not someone who sympathizes with the human element, especially I think we don't appreciate how big of a deal the strike zone really is and how much of an impact it has on a baseball season. It has a huge impact game to game, and then overall in a season, it can make a big difference. And so when the technology is there, I think it's something that we absolutely have to have. I I think of tennis and the the technology they use, which is Hawkeye, I believe, which is now what the what MLB is implementing instead of TrackMan starting in 2020. It's a, it's a big improvement in the technology that already was pretty darn good so we're going to get way more precision here with with strike zone calls and with Statcast data starting in 2020 and so the technology is going to be there you know tennis calls like they can look to the i don't know how far but they can zoom in all the way and see did the ball hit the line or not and we're looking at that kind of technology coming into baseball in the strike zone. And the other thing that Stark points out here, which I have been saying all along too, is that when they tested this automated zone in the Atlantic League and the Arizona Fall League, there were a lot of pitches that were being called strikes that nobody on the field thought was a strike. It was the big curveball that nicks the bottom of the zone and ends up in the dirt, yet it technically nicked the bottom of the zone and is therefore a strike by the rule and by how they set the zone. But as Stark points out, the solution is pretty simple. If you don't want that to be a strike, you have to raise the bottom of the zone. And so I would anticipate that that will happen because, you know, you can do that when you get to program a strike zone. You can raise it up if you want to and you can manipulate it to influence results on the field. And I think that MLB should do that and will do that. So I'm excited about this. Could be as soon as 2022 that we see this in Major League Baseball. Coming up in the second half of the show, we'll continue running through some of these interesting ideas discussed by Jason Stark. Talking about electronic sign calling, universal designated hitter, that's always a fun topic, expansion and realignment, different playoff structures, shortening the season, extra inning game rules, so much more to talk about. So stick around for the second half of the show. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. 
All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. It's truly fantastic. You can go follow the Giants and see them at all their home games and travel to any road games. All the stadiums are beautiful and within driving distance. Check out amazing restaurants and bars, craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, and Goldwater Brewing Company. And of course, Arizona is known for its incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures. Hit the road and explore Arizona's urban centers, ghost towns, artsy communities, and quirky outposts. Hiking, biking, jeep tours, hot air balloons, skydiving, or just taking a sunset. No matter what you love to do, Arizona has you covered. You can also check off must-see destinations from your bucket list, like visiting the Grand Canyon. Bringing the kids along to spring training, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families. They've got family-friendly resorts and hotels that offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback rides to games and activities. Really, just cannot say enough how great of a time it is. Head out to Arizona, enjoy some baseball in the sunshine in February and March, and enjoy all that Arizona has to offer. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. Okay, as promised here in the second half of the show, I want to run through, continue to run through this list of changes that we might even expect to happen in the 2020s across Major League Baseball, written by Jason Stark in The Athletic. Very interesting piece. Highly recommend a subscription to The Athletic. So in addition to the automated strike zone, another big change we could see soon is how catchers relay signs to pitchers and how managers relay signs to catchers. So I haven't heard a perfect solution yet, but we're moving towards the idea of pitchers and catchers having some kind of Apple Watch type device on their arms and figuring out what to throw that way. Perhaps having someone in the dugout calling pitches. I don't love that idea because, you know, pitchers are going to throw what they want to throw. And I don't think having someone calling their games for them is is generally going to be something that's universally accepted by all pitchers. So somehow you have to have the pitcher communicating what he's going to throw. So is he really going to look at his watch and click a button every time and the catcher is going to look at it as well? And is that going to be uninterceptable? I don't know, but that's the direction we're moving with all these allegations of sign stealing. And not just allegations. I mean, it's clearly happening. The Astros were cheating with trash cans, which we haven't really talked about on this show, but I have wanted to talk about. I think we're, we will talk about that when the punishment gets handed out, which should be soon. Now, the next thing that's discussed here is perhaps the most controversial. It's the universal designated hitter. So you can count me among the people who was very anti-DH in the National League for a long time, except that I have switched. And you might think this is total blasphemy and might want to stop listening to me right now. But the reason I have switched is simply because I'm a fan of having more offense in the game And even the very best hitting pitchers are still extremely bad hitting baseball players. Like, we all like to think that Madison Bumgarner was some kind of great hitter. But in reality, he would have been like the worst position player on any team. If you look at the numbers, I get it. Like, at times, from like a eye test perspective, he was a threat. And he was a power threat, of course. And in some seasons, he actually had had good years and above average offensive contribution. But overall in his career as a hitter, he's hit 177 with a 228 on base and a 303 slugging. 
That's a 45 weighted runs created plus, meaning he's been 55% worse than the league average offensive player. So if that's the best that pitchers have to offer, I'm sorry, but I don't need to see that. And that's the best that pitchers have to offer. You know, he does have 19 home runs and all of them were thrilling and exciting. But again, he's more of an exception rather than the rule. And most of the time, these guys are just wasted at bats that are not very entertaining. Every now and then you get entertainment, just like with the intentional walk that you used to have to throw four pitches for all you kids out there. Uh, didn't used to be an automatic intentional walk. And every now and then you had like an intentional ball thrown awry where it went over the strike zone and the batter was able to put it in play or it went to the backstop and you were able to get some action that way. It happened to the Giants in the postseason. They benefited from a wild pitch on an intentional ball. But I don't miss the intentional walk, the four pitches thrown at all now. And I think I would feel the same potentially about not having the pitcher in the lineup because just let's be real with ourselves most of the time it's just an ugly at bat that really has no entertainment value I'd much rather have a guy who's like 20 30 percent above average offensively which is what you're hoping for from a DH probably have those at bats on my team I'd be I'd enjoy those at bats more so of course everyone is entitled to their opinion about this subject but it has support the players have always wanted it because it adds an extra job, and there's growing support among owners, so I think that it's probably going to happen at some point. Just running through the last ideas here, Stark talks about expansion and realignment, which is something we have been talking about for a long time since this show was Covecast. If you expand to 32 teams, I would be in favor of just eliminating divisions altogether and just having a seating structure balancing the schedule by having longer series play each team five times at home five times on the road in your league that becomes 150 games if you have 16 teams in each league one of the those teams is of course your own team so you're playing 15 teams 10 times there's no interleague in that structure but maybe you could you know if you want to keep 162 game season you play 12 interleague games a year kind of rotating through the other teams in the other leagues but this idea that Jason Stark is talking about is having eight divisions of four teams each, which I think would also be an improvement over the current structure. And the divisions would be based more on geography. So the Giants could have like the A's, the Dodgers, and the Angels in their division. So every, you know, they play those teams a lot and they're all really close. You know, they play the A's a lot and they just simply have to travel across a bridge and, you know, flights to, LA are like an hour long as it is now it's kind of messed up with the travel all the way to Colorado and Arizona for games within their division and it's way worse than the AL West where Texas Houston Texas and Arlington Texas are in the West so the A's and especially the Mariners have a long way to travel for interdivisional games against those Texas teams so anyway definitely in favor of expansion and realignment and it's something that could happen this decade Last thing that we'll talk about here is the idea of changing extra inning rules in Major League Baseball. So I don't like this one. I don't like the idea of the runner on second to start extra innings, but I also don't like how there's 162 games in a baseball season and some of them take like seven hours. I think that only the most extreme baseball fans are 
people who enjoy those games. Think of the poor, like, concession stand workers who have to stay until 1 a.m. when those games finish and then have to work a day game the next day. And the players themselves. I mean, it's not good for their health to be playing that long and then have to turn around and make a flight after the game. Like, who knows? So I would be in favor, not in the postseason. I think in the postseason, you just play until there's a winner. But the regular season is so long, I think we can do better than the current structure of just play until there's a winner. I think if you're going to start an extra inning with some phantom person on base, someone who didn't earn his way on base, I like the idea better of like bases loaded than just a runner on second. Because otherwise we're going to see like a bunt and a sack fly, which is not the most exciting thing. But I think if you load the bases, that immediately creates a very stressful situation. Then you you do kind of wonder about pitcher health. You don't want to put too much stress on a pitcher there. But, you know, you'd always get runs for the most part. I think it could be pretty exciting. Or maybe runners on first and second would be better also than a runner just on second. Because even if you bunt and then get a sack fly, you're only getting one run versus having runners on first and second no outs, you probably can expect a lot of the time to get more than one run. So anyway, those are just some ideas. Highly recommend you check out the article. If you have any responses to any of those ideas, let me know. I'd love to hear from you guys what you think about these concepts. Remember, to get this show every weekday, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Kaspik. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review, and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again on Monday, and until then, we'll see you next time. 